At Kroger, shopping with pickup and delivery is the same as shopping in-store. Same low prices, deals, and rewards on the same high-quality items. It's one small click for groceries, one big win for busy families everywhere. Start your cart today at Kroger.com. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And right now, stock up on your favorites during the 10 for 10 sale. Mix and match participating items and get 10 for just $10 with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Ready for the interview, and if you get a cue live on a laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, Dr. D, PhD, hit the intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, a home for the locals. Gotta be social, network, global, a home for the locals. All right, Simon, I have a bone to pick with you about this movie, man. Condor man. It was a rough go for me. I'm just going to tell you right now. Come on now. You didn't see the genius in it? No. <laughs> okay. All right. I struggled to get through the entire thing. I'm not going to lie. Man, even with Oliver Reed as the, as, as the bad guy? I struggled, man. Not gonna, I was watching. I was like, is this a joke? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It is kind of, but come on, man. It wasn't that. I can't. You really didn't enjoy it. No, not at all. <laughs> no, not even as like a, 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 a. I don't know. I, I, you know, when I watch, it, I'm like, man, I wish Marvel Marvel movies were more like this. No. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I was literally watching this. So I was like. I'm sure glad this is 90 minutes, man. <laughs> okay, so the lead actor is Michael Crawford. And you might not know who that is, but he was actually huge on Broadway. Huge. Wow. Um, he might have been the original Phantom, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, okay. If he wasn't, he at least, you know, he, he was big in that role. Yeah. And uh, I'm not a big, you know, Broadway or Michael Crawford fan. I just have listened to it, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, he, he's really bad in this movie. Like he's really bad. Really bad. But for me, he's so bad in such a good way. Like I, I'm watching this movie and it's, it's a... It, it's like a train yet wreck of genius. It's like watching Van Gogh cut off his ear, but it's funny. <laughs> Got none of that, man. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, we want to be honest with each other here. Oh, yeah. Honestly, and I, uh, and this I, was I a terrible movie. You did not like it. Honest, I appreciate it, was it. Actually, a terrible movie for me. I was like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> so you didn't like the Prognoviach? 
like <laughs> oh, a God. bunch of uh, Russian assassins driving Porsches. Uh, no. <laughs> oh man. No, I thought it was very cheesy. And oh, it's even over the top the, cheesy. Italia character, and you know, give me a triple of the. <laughs> it's like, it's like oh, that's one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. I mean, it's a parody. It's a it's a comedy. It's not meant to be taken seriously at all. It's definitely. That's, I definitely didn't take it seriously. Yeah. I can tell you that. That's what I love about it. Um, like so many superhero movies today, take themselves so seriously. Even the ones that are claiming to not take it seriously. So. I I love that like. All of the superheroes that he creates are so bad. There's yes. Condor Man. There's Laser Lady. Uh, there's a moment he's in the jail cell, and he says to himself, referring to one of his own characters, he says, Gopher Boy, what would you do now? <laughs> I laugh so hard at that line. <laughs> I laugh so hard at that line because he's so serious. He's so earnest. And yet he's the creator of the worst comic book characters I think I've ever heard of in ever. my life. Ever. Ever. Now, I can't, I can't remember the name of the actress who plays Natalia, but I have to say I was extremely in love with her. She was pretty hot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is keeping me somewhat interested. <laughs> Something has to keep me in this thing. Man. And Oliver Reed, as the main antagonist... I mean, everything about this movie is ridiculous. It's stupid. It's over-the-top cheese ball. And yet, Oliver Reed is, like, trying to win an Oscar. <laughs> I mean, he's bringing the A-game of acting. He's teaching a, a, a school of acting in this movie. When he gets so angry... And there's just, a, you know, one of the big lines from the movie is like, he is not an agent of the CIA. He is a writer of comic books. And he slams down the comic books. And, um, I mean, he brings so much visceral intensity. And you're just <laughs> like, this dude's in Condor Man. This dude. <laughs> it's like everyone around him knows they're in a comic book movie. And then, then there's Oliver Reed, who's just like, and the Oscar goes too. I mean, this movie made me question our friendship. <laughs> like, what is happening? I'm, I was watching literally by myself, middle of the day. I was like, what is happening right now? Oh, see, that was another mistake you made. You needed to watch it with children. See, I watched it with my kids, and they all thought it was really stupid, just like I did. But we're all just really enjoying how stupid it is. I mean, it's kind of like watching Spaceballs or something. It's like, this is so stupid. Spaceballs way better than this movie. <laughs> 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 There's something off for me. You know, you know what it is? I don't know, man. It reminded me of like this kind of like British slapsticky humor. And like very like, I just don't like movies like that. I yeah. don't know. It just the acting. I couldn't overcome the acting. I was like, this I mean, is the so acting, bad. Michael Crawford is the main guy. It's I, so I don't bad. know why they they thought he would he should be the main guy. I mean, but 
Now, now, now think about this movie in the context of this is a guy who makes his living on Broadway. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah, he really makes his living on Broadway. Like, he's a stage actor. Right. Uh, he was never meant for movies. Terrible casting with Michael Terrible. Crawford. Terrible. Everyone around him is legit. And it makes him look even worse. Yes. Because everyone around him are career film and television actors and then there's michael crawford i don't know if he has another film or tv <laughs> um credit you know i mean but legendary broadway performer that's incredible i will say i did like you know like kind of the 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 boat scene and stuff and how the car turned to the you know the boat and stuff i was like okay it's very yellow it, I'm, I'm reaching <laughs> hard man i'm like okay the laser shots so bad <laughs> it's like, I mean, you know, yeah. It's, For the time, maybe it's it was probably pretty time. cool. Yeah, but uh, it looked what, like Moonraker. <laughs> you know, bad. <laughs> I literally, I'm like waiting for it. And I'm like, I finished. I was like, I'm gonna, I, I was gonna text you, like Simon. Simon, I'm gonna have some strong words with you about this movie. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to save for the podcast. I'm going to save for the podcast. I was really curious how you got on with this movie because I, 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 I wasn't sure what you would, you know, do with it or think <laughs> of it or, or, or whatever, or, or coming from me as a recommendation for me. Yeah. I mean, how you, how it would sit with you because of how snooty and hoity toity I can be. <laughs> and yet I love Condor Man. Okay. I got to tell you a story. Okay? okay. All right. I am in the vicinity of five years old, maybe six. I'm in there. I've always needed glasses. I'm wearing contacts right now. I've always had really poor eyesight, very nearsighted. Um, I go with my mother to the shopping mall. And I'm doing, as any kid does, you know, we're in the department store, she's shopping for clothes, and I'm going in and out of like those circular um, clothes display things, you know, and hiding, playing hide and go seek with my mom, basically. Well, at some point, I just kind of lose her. <laughs> I lose my mom. Yeah. And I probably see her at one point, but I'm not confident that it's her. And as any idiot child does, I come up with all the bad ideas, you know. And so one of my bad ideas is that I can't find my mom. I will go and wait for her at the car. <laughs> so <clears throat> speaking of cars, there is the scene in Condor Man where his buddy steals the Rolls Royce. He drives the Rolls Royce to the dock where he's supposed to meet Condor Man. And he leaves it in neutral or something. Yeah. Just doesn't put the park brake on. And it rolls into the bay. He tries to chase after it. He tries to catch it. And as he watches it sink into the depths of the bay, he says, easy come, easy go. So I'm going to go meet my mother at the car. And I go to the like the front doors of the mall, and it's pouring down rain, and I see a veritable ocean of cars, and I realize in this moment that I will never find our car. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. I'm staring out, and I'm thinking about 
never being able to find my mother again. And I say, easy come, easy go. (laughs) (laughs) About my mother. That's how impressionable I was and how much I loved this movie as a kid. I didn't really know what that what that meant, you know, but in that I just felt like that was the appropriate thing to say at the time. Luckily, I turn around and my mother has found me. Yeah. We have like this home alone moment where, you know, the mom and the boy get reunited. <laughs> but to this day, I still remind my mother Easy come, easy go. <laughs> She's like that bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so, but even at a young age, I was really into movies when I was young. Uh, yeah. I've always been into movies. My mother has told me that I taught myself how to use the VCR player when I was around two. And I would like put in Star Wars all the time. You know, my parents actually, uh, when I was really young, they owned. Um, a uh, a video rental store. Oh wow! Yeah, so I had access to all these movies, and when I was in preschool age and stuff like that, I'd oftentimes be at work with my mother, and she'd be there. I don't know what she was doing actually; probably doing the books or something. And I'd be there, and I would just be looking at all of the um, the the covers, and I was it, they just fed my imagination. Yeah. And the covers of every, you know, movie. And I would just stare at them and imagine what those movies were and imagine the plots of them and things like that. And then when I got to actually see them, then I was always disappointed because I always thought what (laughs) I imagined was better. (laughs) Is that why you're watching lame movies like Condor Man so early in life? (laughs) I guess so. I mean, at the time, that movie was probably always lame. For sure. <laughs> but I mean, you're thinking about the time, uh, the time frame of comic book movies. Um, this is about the same time, like maybe a Superman two or three is yeah. coming out. When you when you put it against the other comic book movies of the time, Condor Man actually has to rank pretty high. <laughs> and this is coming from somebody who I adore, Christopher Reeve. Yeah. I, Adore him. Yeah, I like those movies. But I mean, come on, Superman three and four; those are trash. No, this bit is pretty movies. bad. Those are those bad. are trash movies. They're really bad, actually. And there's no amount of Christopher Reeve earnest acting that can save those movies. There, no. there's just no amount of it that can do it. Um. So I, so that's what I mean. Like, put it in the context of when it came out. Put it in the <laughs> context of what audiences were expecting from a comic book movie. And I give Disney tons of props. They didn't, they didn't, you know, buy Marvel. They didn't purchase DC and then use their characters. They came up, somebody, I don't know who, came up with their own property, Condor Man. The vulture of the Western world. <laughs> I need to talk to this person if they're still alive. And instead of making a movie where comic book characters actually exist, you have a comic book creator who's trying to do the things his character does in the comic books in real life. I think it's an excellent premise. I it think is it's an a excellent really premise. Fun, excellent executed. premise. <laughs> 
I don't think you're being fair. I, don't I really don't like. That. Honestly, I really don't. This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I'm not joking. I'm like, you know, we're gonna be honest with each other. That's my honest. <laughs> you also have to put movie. it like. Think of it as like a canon movie during yeah. that era. Yeah. You know. It's still bad. <laughs> well, I also think of other adaptations that I really love, that are really bad movies. Like Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. That's a Lundgren. bad movie. That's, that's actually a, a bad movie. That's a terrible that's movie. That's one of the worst movies ever created for like a hero or something. And I love it. It's so bad though. <laughs> it's so bad. I know. I'm not saying I haven't watched it like three or four times back in the day, but it's bad. <laughs> what those movies did right, what those producers did right though, is they got an antagonist. That I mean, uh, who's Skeletor in Masters of the Universe? It's... um. Christopher Lee. Yeah. Freaking Christopher Lee as Skeletor is brilliant. I agree with that. Everything around him, horrible. Horrible. But Christopher Lee as Skeletor is absolute genius. <laughs> and I think Christopher Lee was genuinely disappointed that the movie didn't do well and that yeah. he couldn't come back as Skeletor. <laughs> because it's one of the, probably one of the first um properties that had like a um uh uh what do you call them the the scene that comes after the credits post credit scene yeah. that's what it's called where skeletor pops back up and he's like i'm going to be back i can't remember exactly what he says but you know so christopher lee is probably he, you know he's anticipating and he, apparently he loved being skeletor aside from really? the makeup that he had to put on yeah but i i mean when you're an actor in one of those movies, you can't really tell if it's good or bad. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, Christopher Lee, his Skeletor doesn't interact with the other actors that much. Right, right. So he can't get a sense of what the other scenes look like, how it's going. But Skeletor in his throne room with his like storm, black stormtrooper kind of guards and stuff... The set looks amazing. The costumes look amazing. Christopher Lee is turning in an incredible performance. So he's probably sitting there thinking, this movie's going to be incredible. <laughs> then he saw he's, watching the, he's watching the dailies of himself, and he's like, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> I hope the offspring in it. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't see what's going on with Dolph Lundgren on on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so bad, <laughs> you know. And I and I kind of feel like that for Oliver Reed in Condor Man. Like yeah. he's in the scenes he's in, he's like, I'm the head or something of the Russian KGB, yeah. and I've got my hit squad, and we've got. Porsches and we've got cool, awesome boats. I mean, you got to admit that a lot of the designs in this movie are really good. No, the cars and stuff are pretty amazing. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I just, I couldn't overcome it's the acting. Really, oh I mean, I it's really good stuff. I, I think everything, basically everything except Michael Crawford, who unfortunately is the lead character, much like that's the Dolph problem. Lundgren in, <laughs> in, in, in Masters of the Universe. It's like Dolph Lundgren sure looks like He Man, but right. Yeah, too bad he. <laughs> I, I bet he thought it was going to be a huge movie for him, too. 
I mean, yeah. it's awful. This is it for me, you know? Yeah. I'm like, you know, going to head my own franchise now. Right. Masters of the Universe. <laughs> Some real stinkers here, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, and I also pit these properties up against things like the G.I. Joe movies and the Transformers movies. Yeah, yeah. Every single day of the week, I'd rather watch <laughs> Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren every single day of the week than any of these <laughs> other toy uh turned movie franchises yeah and i feel that way about condor man honestly i mean i like i tell you i had i freely admit to you michael crawford is awful awful but i think there's also something kind of charming about him being awful and i just love so much of the silliness of the movie. Okay, so I was talking to somebody about this recently, and I told them that I made you watch this movie, and I was like, I don't know what he's going to think of it because it's not like a good movie. <laughs> it's not a good movie. But I think of it in the context of, so, all right, what I would wish that the Marvel movies would do today. What is, what is Condor Man's objective in this movie? He's just helping a Russian agent defect. Yeah. He's not saving the world. There's no, you know, super powered, you know, being that he's, you know, trying to, I don't know, take the glove off of so they don't snap their fingers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, I just love that it's so silly and yet so down to earth. And it's it just thrives on just being simple. Man, I gotta you tell are, you, within you twenty not, minutes into this, convinced. no, you are not no. Convinced. I feel like you're definitely trying to give me some, some very good information. But I'm not gonna lie, I'm sitting there watching twenty minutes in. I'm like, is this really what this is gonna be? <laughs> I was like, this has to turn somewhere. And when it didn't, I was like, oh no. I have to tell Simon, I don't like this. <laughs> I want you to know that I don't mind that you don't like it. And I, I know this about all. you. I know this. About and, you. and, 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 um, if I were seeing it for the first time today, I don't know what my opinion would actually be. Right. But the right. first time I saw it, I'm like three or four years old. <laughs> and the first time I saw it, I don't really know what's happening. I just know that there's a guy who just puts on some big wings and he flies really slow. Really slow. Super slow. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? I'm like, this it's is like so the lame. Most unimpressive. It's so unimpressive. Ever put on film. <laughs> He's like accidentally beating people up. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, but you know, I love that about it. I love <laughs> that he's not. What, who he wants to be and everything, uh, most of what he accomplishes, he accomplishes on accident. Yes. Okay. So I was, I recently had strep throat and I was just down for the count for a little while. So I went back and I was actually watching a few movies and we had talked about movies that were coming out in the theaters Yeah. that we might see. And one that I said I might see is Ant-Man. And after the reviews came out, I changed my mind. Me too. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually went back and I watched the first two Ant-Man movies while I was just sick. And 
to me, they're like Condor Man. I mean, really. I mean, yeah. the acting's better. The special effects are better. On you know, but the story's not better. The premise is not better. I don't think the ingenuity behind what they do and how they accomplish it is better. Um, put Paul Rudd as Condor Man, and you've transformed that movie completely. Yeah. And you've made it actually into a legitimate <laughs> movie that might actually survive. Unfortunately, we had Michael Crawford in it. But there was, in the original Condor Man, they only have like a week to prepare or something like that. I can't remember. Wow. For the heist, yeah. you know, thing. So bad. But he's supposed to get like this <laughs> fight training in and stuff. So Paul Rudd is like learning how to become an MMA fighter or whatever, you know. And they show like he's his progress is just like through the roof. I was like, okay, if they had a few months, maybe right. I could actually believe this. But it's that level of stupidity that filmmakers hope you don't catch on to. Right. And so my kudos to Condor Man is that he never he's he he he's never good at anything. He's able to do better things because the CIA supplies him with his really ridiculous comic book gear. So he's able to actually fly at the end, unlike at the beginning, yeah, because the, the CIA yeah. designs his wings rather than him designing his wings. So he gets help, and he's able to succeed in a few things, but it's not because he's good at it. And with Ant-Man and Paul Rudd, you know, or, or Paul Rudd's character in Ant-Man, he actually becomes really good at all this stuff. Like, he's really good at what he does. Yeah. And he learns really fast, and he becomes a good, good at what he does. He's able to fight. He's able to do all this stuff. And that's what I'm just like. That's where I really appreciate a movie like Condor Man, where it's like, no, his briefcase fell open, so he went down to close <laughs> it, and that's why the guy jumped over him instead of onto him. <laughs> I, mean, I don't like guns. <laughs> he's like shooting the cane all over the place. I'm like, wow, okay. Once again, put a different performer in there. <laughs> I mean, really, honestly, I wish they would. This is a property I wish Disney would actually remake. Oof. <laughs> and I'm serious about that. And I, I know you're serious. <laughs> I actually think it's unfortunate that, you know, you can't get all the other actors at the same age and, and stuff, because I think everybody in this movie is great, except Michael Crawford. <laughs> the main guy. Yeah. So just get, I wish you could get that whole team back and everybody's the same age and, you know, this is all, you know, wish fulfillment or whatever, but then just seriously replace Michael Crawford with any decent comedy actor today, any of them. I'd even put Seth Rogen in there. I don't even <laughs> like Seth Rogen. I, I, I'm just saying... Uh, I'm Condor Man. <laughs> yeah, just be high the whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I'd watch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> some guy who's really stoned oh, trying to man. jump off the Eiffel Tower. I'm yeah. like, that sounds interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd get why he's trying to do it. <laughs> yeah, stoned. You, know, you could adjust a lot of the premise and everything. Yeah, it might be good then. <laughs> so. You know, and, and especially with like today's special effects, which I don't think this should be a special effect driven movie. Yeah. 
I, that's another thing I love about Condor Man is that most of it's practical effects. However, today they could really improve improve that yeah. flying. Yeah. Really improve it's so that bad. Flying. I mean, <laughs> like, like that's one of the first things you see in the movie. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Well, and I love that it's a complete failure. The first <laughs> scene of the movie is him failing and almost drowning. Just like the movie, a complete failure. <laughs> It flops and it drowns. Everywhere it flops. It just flops. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is when the Prokhnoviach in their black Porsches. Yeah. They're, they're coming. You know, they're, 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 they're on their way. And there's just that town in the mountains. And somebody just, like, hears their engines in the distance. And everybody goes quiet, and then the alarm bell rings, and everybody runs for cover. I I just think scenes like that are really impressive, and I think they're really well done. <laughs> You're good at finding all the nice things about this stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're really good at that. Well, yeah, yeah. No, you 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 know you're a very you're very tapped into the little things of that. I just was like, I'm checking out of this, man. <laughs> I said, I watched it. I was like, no. Oh, I wish I we like, could have watched it together. Because I'd be like, no, man, check this. I it mean, could make it worse, with, honestly. The guy with that. the steel eye. The guy with this. I mean, that dude was so dope. I mean, he no. does literally almost nothing, but he's dope, man. I just, I saw, there's really no redeeming quality for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Also, you know, it's kind of in that era of like the Roger Moore James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Were you a fan of those? Because I mean, I, I like. I thought they were decent. Yeah, I, some I, of them I, are pretty I, good. But I think mean, about James hit, Bond. Yeah, hit yeah. Condor Man against Moonraker. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what this is. I mean, Moonraker is such a stupid movie, and yeah. it's 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 there for laughs, you know. Yeah, and it's there to jump onto the Star Wars craze, you know. So it's the James Bond movie with a laser gun fight in yeah. space, which is, I mean, it's so dumb. It's bad. It's so, so dumb. And the moon colony <sighs> and Jaws, you know, who's indestructible, you know, the indestructible, you know, guy that Bond has to fight. But I'm just saying, it's like, so I put Condor Man in that kind of context, and I actually think the movie holds up. Michael Crawford's performance as a movie actor does not hold up. I mean, it's bad. I mean, I mean James Bond, like Moonraker, the only redeeming quality is that Roger Moore is James Bond. Right. I mean, that, that's how I feel about the Roger Moore run as James Bond. Uh, those I agree movies, with that. Those movies are trash, but Roger Moore is great. He's very good. I, I totally 100% agree with that. So yeah. I think Condor Man is actually a great movie, but it's <laughs> it's the opposite of a Roger Moore, James Bond film. It's a great movie with a terrible lead actor. I mean, it just ruins it for me completely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just does. It's so bad. The lead actor cannot be that bad. <laughs> it just cannot be. I, I, I'm honestly surprised he wasn't fired with it, uh, uh, when they started filming. Because so you're watching this and you're just like, so I, I text you and I said, you know, I, I feel like this run of like 1975 yeah. to 1985, Walt Disney deserves a real retrospective look at what it was trying to do. I'm not saying that the movies themselves were really that good, 
But it was Walt Disney during that time, they were trying to make real movies. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of those movies had terrible ideas in them. Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen the movie The Black Hole? Yes. That's a good movie with some of the worst androids Mm -hmm. ever. Ever. You take away the droids from that movie, and you actually probably have a chance at this being a really good movie, except for the evil droid. Maximilian or whatever. Yeah. That dude, that dude's scary. Yeah. But the good guy droids, (laughs) one of them's like, (laughs) he's like an old Alabaman or something. I know. Come on over here. I'm going to shoot him up. (laughs) How do some of these movies get made, man? (laughs) But the black hole, that movie, that was cutting edge visual effects. And people go go back and just watch the movie for the visual effects, other than the good guy droids, um, and the and the score, the score of the black hole I think is one yeah. of the best movie scores ever. Yeah, really good. I think actually. it's so good. Yeah, really good. Yeah. So I mean, all of the ambiance of everything. I mean, it's just once again, man. Also, you know, when I was a kid, I guess I just loved a lot of these movies. You remember the old Flash Gordon? Oh, actually, you know what? I got a lot to say about Flash Gordon. <laughs> like, for some reason, I liked that movie, even though I felt it wasn't that good. And like, okay, uh, now you're on on with me with Condor Man. But no, Condor Man's not good. <laughs> no, imagine seeing Flash Gordon for the first time today. Okay, bad movie. Okay, now we're getting okay. somewhere. Okay, now, I didn't now, watch it. When you watched this when you were a kid, it had a different impression on you. I'm yeah. watching this as a 44-year-old man going, wow, this is really bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what but, it is. But put it in context, put Counterman in the same context as that old Flash Gordon movie. And it's like, yeah, these are really bad movies. The lead actors are horrific. Horrible. Horrific. And you're just wondering why did they think this was a good idea? Why did they think that the, that that these actors we're going to be able to lead this movie. I mean, you're really putting actors in quotations, yeah. right? Air yeah, quotes here. On. You know, I mean, we could have been in that movie. Man. <laughs> yeah. We literally could have been in Flash Gordon oh, carrying man. a football around, pushing people and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. When you're a kid, you don't realize how dumb it is. Yes. Like when I watched Flash Gordon as a kid, I didn't realize that it was like this farciful comedy. Yeah. I was all in on this being a serious movie. Very all in. Obsessed. I'm telling you, I was very into Flash Gordon. Now I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Yikes. The thing is, I think a lot of it still holds up. Like, there's dark moments in Flash Gordon. For sure. Like, I'm I'm blank on his name, but the scientist who gets, like, they go into his mind and everything. I mean, it's kind of dark. Yeah, when he reaches into that thing and it's like, oh. It's yeah, like, it's like, oh man, what's happening in there? It's like his arms getting crushed or something. But they were really trying to do something. And then the Queen soundtrack. Oh, it's so freaking good. Queen is so amazing on that soundtrack, man. Yeah. I mean, to make the, they made that movie. The soundtrack yeah. made that movie. It's like, wow. Well, and I think the visuals, because they really went for the visuals from the old yeah. Flash Gordon serial. Right. You know, they right. really they tried to do all the design of the ships and everything. 
in that same way, in that same spirit. And they were, I think they were so successful at so many things. And then for whatever reason, they decided to make it a farciful comedy and make Flash Gordon a football player. <laughs> so bad. And, and you're just like, why? Yeah, why, why? why would you do that? <laughs> I, I just mean, don't understand. It was so weird. And I think back, I'm like, wow, okay. You know, it's a different reality when you're a kid versus when yeah. you're an adult. It's literally like a different, you're like a different person. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> yeah. But as a young, blonde haired, blue eyed boy, I saw my, myself as Flash Gordon. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> he's this tall, blonde, you know, yeah. <laughs> all American guy. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and boy, there, there's another connection to James Bond, uh, Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton. As uh, the prince, what's his face? Man, I remember Timothy Dalton. I definitely and, remember that. Uh, and um, the king of like the hawk mm-hmm. guys. Timothy Dalton and him, I mean, two really great actors. And then who's Ming? Uh, it's um, Ming the Merciless is played by another huge actor. Yeah, yeah. Oh I, 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 it's on the tip of my tongue because I was yeah. like, oh, Ming, man, I remember Ming. I'm like, uh, I can't remember. It'll, but it'll... They, they bring these huge actors to come in and do these things. Yeah. And once again, the King of the Hawk, you know, guys, yeah. he's legendary Shakespeare. I'm blanking on his name too. A legendary Shakespearean actor. Um, and so, I mean, once again, you can tell he's a stage actor, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> he's yeah. so over the top. What? He's <laughs> <laughs> For for people for people who haven't seen Flash Gordon, he uh, he does the voice for the, what are they called? The Dungans in Star Wars, the yeah, Star Wars yeah. prequels. He's a ba ba boo ba ba whatever. <laughs> you know, I don't know what they say, but Jar Jar Binks, yeah, king, the king of his people or whatever. I wonder if these people actually watch these movies from back in the day, like Flash that they were in, and they're like, wow, uh, <laughs> like, what was happening? I was the- on the come up, man. I was on the come. <laughs> I would personally love it. I would be like, <laughs> wow, I was in this movie. This Play is my old stuff. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And once again, they must have been looking at the dailies other right. than the actor who was Flash Gordon. But they must have been seeing, I mean, I th- I know that those visual effects are dated now. Sure. But, but I prefer them a lot of the time. Interesting. Like I love how Flash Gordon looks. It looks great. Honestly, it. I really loved how that movie looked. I, it, as yeah. a kid, especially, it was like really big and exciting, you know. But you know, you make a good point about if you know the movie's going to be good or not. Like that was the whole thing. Like I think I asked you this way back in the day when you were doing your twelve albums, twelve months. I'm like, do you know when you make a good song? Like, are you aware of that when you're yeah. doing it? You know, it's like, how do you know? That yeah, I, I think it's tough, and I think a lot of the times it's, um, it's very similar to the filmmaking and filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is I think it was Dustin Hoffman who said that he knows when a project isn't doing well when the directors and producers will assure him that the dailies look great. Oh, everything looks great. It's like well. It probably means the movie's trash. Interesting. (laughs) And I've tried to decipher the nuance of that comment Mm. 
a lot. But I think a lot of that has to do with, um, well, the shots look good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but will those shots actually turn into a collective whole that, yeah. you know, so, so when I'm making music, I can come up with a killer guitar tone or, or a killer synth sound. Yeah. And then I put it within the song and it doesn't work. It doesn't mm. work at all. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know what I was thinking. That's not going to work at all. And I have to hit delete. Um, the problem with these movies is that you can't delete Dolph Lundgren from Masters of <laughs> No. <laughs> no. You can't delete the guy who played Flash Gordon from Flash Gordon. You can't delete <laughs> Michael Crawford from yeah. Condor Man. Actually, today you probably could. We could digitally insert. That's somebody. true. Today you could. You today could just you could. digitally insert. I that okay. Now I want that. I want somebody to digitally insert themselves as a good actor to replace Michael Crawford in Condor Man. <laughs> that I might again if the if it was like kind of a different slant but similar. I'm like okay, I'll give it a shot. But the yeah. guy who's doing it, he has to lead. He has to like make me feel something. He or she, they have to really pull me. It's, you know, it's kind of like uh, you were yeah. talking, you were texting me about everything, everywhere, all at once. You know, like all the awards and one and stuff. And everybody says the same thing to me. I don't even know what it was about, really. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, and I watched it and it was a long movie. And I was like, Michelle Yeoh was having a great moment for herself. And the guy who played Data back in the day, you know, I was like, that's yeah. Data. That's totally data yeah. from the Goonies. I was like, it's so awesome. Yeah. He's like an adult. It was like a mind. Like it's, I see him in there, but he's an adult now, you know? And it's like hard to tell. Like everybody loves this movie for, but it's like, well, what is it about? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> but everybody loves it. You know, it's how you love something is so interesting to me because there's certain movies. I just like, I can't get enough of like, you know, movies you just go back and you watch, like I probably watched Apollo 11 like 50 times. I don't know why. I really like it. Mm. And there's certain like I've watched the movie Lean on Me so many times with Morgan Freeman. Yeah. I can't get enough of that movie. There's something about it. I don't know what makes something feel like that for you. You know, I'm not sure either. I have um, a connection to a few movies like that. Um, some of them are not profound movies. Yeah. Jackie Chan's first strike. That's good. I love that movie. That's a good movie. Um, the Quiet Man with John Wayne mm. and Maureen O'Hara. I think it's one of the most beautifully shot movies and one of the most quaint and charming movies mm. ever made. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. The Jeep Wrangler 4xe. It's electrified. So you can boogie woogie woogie up a mountain, boogie. over creeks, or boogie woogie woogie through a desert where you get bit by a pit viper. 
So you boogie woogie woogie back to camp and ask your friends if they'll suck the snake venom out. When they say no, you boogie woogie woogie to the nearest hospital for a dose of antivenom and boogie woogie woogie your way to a full recovery. The electrified Jeep Wrangler 4xe. Learn more at jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This week at Macy's, discover great deals on spring updates for you and your home. Refresh your look with Michael Kors handbags, shoes, and more, 250 and under. Get 50 to 70% off suits, blazers, and pants for him. And shop select great value small appliances, $99.95 and under. Plus, get contact-free curbside pickup or pickup in-store today at Macy's. Details at Macy's.com slash pickup. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. And it's another one that I grew up watching, you know, so I wonder what I would think of it today. Actually, I know what I, I know I would love it still today because yeah. because it's it's just my kind of movie. It's my kind of movie where the camera will just sit there and watch Maureen O'Hara in a terrible windy day or windy yeah. evening run across a stony brook. Yeah. That's the kind of movie it is. Yeah. I was thinking as you were talking about how perhaps if you if you too easily can tell somebody what a movie is about, yeah, that it's probably not a very good movie. Mm. Huh. Like if it's really simple to say, oh, it's a movie about this, because normally it's like, okay. I'm going to tell you what the movie's about, but I want to give it away for you because nor because there's complexities to it, yeah. right? And then, you know, probably that's why genre movies oftentimes aren't so good because, okay, what the movie's about is all it is. That's all it is. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And the movies where you can't really explain what it's about, they go beyond genre. Yeah, they're yeah. in a genre. Okay, you can say everything all at once. Uh, it's uh, it's sci-fi. But is it really? I know. It's like, uh I mean, yeah, but I don't know. Is it fantasy? Right. Is it sci-fi fantasy? Like a family movie? Is it a mother-daughter relationship? A marriage? You know? Exactly. And probably what defines those movies better is to say they're movies about people. (laughs) Yeah, they're movies about people. (laughs) What's that that movie about? Humans? Yeah. (laughs) Humanity? Wrapped around kind of a sci-fi fantasy envelope a little bit, you know? and Yeah. It's you know my for my wife like her something she watches all the time is Brokeback Mountain. She loves that movie. Really, she loves the performance by Heath yeah. Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, and she loves about the toughness. These two guys who are on the outside very tough guys, but had to hide their love for each other. You know, yeah. there's something she always she every time I watch her watching it, she's always streaming tears down her face and she just like man just that scene at the end where he he has his shirt in the closet it always gets me every time you yeah. know and it's like everybody has movies that they it's just so personal to them even if it's not about their life that just feel it the feeling it evokes you know yeah um yeah for me it's condor man <laughs> <laughs> 
Can you always, not please? Always. <laughs> at I was going to say and not condom. Always at the end when they're every day when they're shooting lasers out the back of their speedboat, just tears going down my face. I'm like, just it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's yeah. so amazing. The Rolls Royce goes into the water. <laughs> easy come, easy go, man. Come easy go. It's got lost That's in an apartment store. Always <laughs> makes me think of my mother. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two things that Simon always uh, reminds me of daily in my life, which is movies and religion. <laughs> so I'm reading this book, uh, Christ in Crisis. Mm. Very good book. You would be very into and this book. Good wordplay. Yes. And because, uh, you know, if you listen to this, you know we go there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Simon's actually arguing with people online about this stuff now. Oh, yeah. I just, just, I just let him have people, it lately. <laughs> just can't, can't even stand it anymore. Just like, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you heard this week's podcast episode. Not yet. No. Okay. So spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> I literally tell Christians, uh, you know, we need to stop pretending and cut the BS. <laughs> I mean, that's my message to Christians everywhere, including myself. But, you know, um, you know, the podcast is called Everything I Hate About Me for a reason, because this is who I used to be. You know, I'm addressing Christianity because... Um, it's the system I grew up in and it's who I used to be. It's a system I'm still trying to be involved with, but they don't really want my involvement. <laughs> <laughs> Could it be of some of the things you've done at the local church? <laughs> so <clears throat> what I've come to find out is that when you point out what the scriptures are actually saying to people, mm. they really don't like it. Really? Like, what do they say? Well, and I'm, and I'm not even talking about my interpretation of the scripture. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, no, look, that's what the scripture says. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've told you about it in the past, things like um, that, that Isaiah never talks about Jesus. Yeah. You know, people are like, what are you talking about? Of course he does, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, actually look and sit there and read it with them. And I'm like, choose any version of the by any translation you want. Let's let's just read the passage and see who Isaiah is talking about. Oh, he's not talking about Jesus. And every time I tell it, every time it's like, well, he could be talking about both. <laughs> I was like, you know what? <laughs> I've got a lot of just pent up aggravation yeah. and frustration about that. I was like, I've sat here, we've sat here together. You recognize that it is very clear. Isaiah is not talking about Jesus here. And yet you still want him to be. <laughs> that's my, that's my thing with, with, with Christianity. Just yeah. stop pretending, stop pretending. You don't need it. So I was having a conversation with my boy, Moses. Okay. We're reading Matthew eight. A list of Jesus's miracles. Yeah. yeah. And I turn to Moses and I say, you know, I would really prefer Jesus who didn't perform miracles. I would have really preferred that. He's like, why? I was like, because I think his teachings can stand on their own. Mm. That is my argument to Christians everywhere. You don't need to misrepresent the Old Testament. 
You don't need to make up falsehoods about what the scriptures are actually saying. But the problem is, is that they've been doing it since the dawn of Christianity. I mean, the book of Matthew itself is full of misrepresentations of the Old Testament scriptures, which is why Christians think that people like Isaiah are talking about Jesus, because whoever wrote Matthew decided he could pull one over on everybody. And you got to remember that most people were not literate. They, you know, their access to the ancient scriptures, um, maybe their synagogue had a copy of it. Right. You know, and somebody who was literate would read it to them. So we're, we're talking about an era where you can't really, you know, the general populace can't fact check Matthew. Right. So they're just like, well, okay, yeah, that's what that's what he's saying, you know. <laughs> so yeah, but today we can. It's so easy to fact check Matthew <laughs> and see that something like eleven times or so in Matthew, maybe more, he completely misrepresents scripture from the Old Testament to try and right. prove Jesus. And I'm just like, stop doing that. Just tell me what Jesus said, <laughs> because that stands on its own, and right. you don't need any of this other bullshit. I think that's really the focus of this book is that the crisis is that we've just kind of made this a whole big thing that it doesn't need to be like the teachings are very simple. Like you and I've talked about, it's like, there's some very significant pillars to stand on with the teachings. Why is everything else a part of this? Like, yes, if you're going to be, be about loving God and loving others or loving your neighbor, like, okay, didn't do that, but don't, but then go, well, but not these people. I mean, well, maybe not these people either. Yeah, <laughs> that's, exactly. that's basically what it is. Right. Oh, no, no, you know, not these Muslims. No, I mean, it's like, yeah. And, and the nitpicking of which commandments people think are important. Right. God, that drives you me know, crazy, I, man. I was just having that, you know, conversation with somebody recently about like homosexuality. Okay. They're saying, well, this scripture says not to do that. You know, it's like, well, look at all the scriptures around it. Yeah. How many of those are you obeying? <laughs> I mean, do you ever eat pork or shellfish? Yeah. It's just for an example. You know, I mean, it's like one example. I'm just like, just screw you. I, I, I mean, I'm just so sick of it, man. I'm sick of the hypocrisy. The of hypocrisy. Nitpicking one verse, not even understanding the context under which that is being said right also not understanding that the original scriptures weren't written in verses one of the worst things that ever happened to scriptures is that they were separated into verses yeah. and chapters and it was done for ease of study so i can appreciate that on the one hand but on the other hand what people do time and time again is say, I'm going to read this verse, not any of the verses around it, <laughs> not any of the chapters around it, and I'm going to think I know what the heck this verse means. Yeah. And I'm not even I'm not going to refer to the original language or the original culture under which it was written, and I'm not going to concede that... There are certain words, so take the Apostle Paul, he writes about, allegedly he writes about homosexuality, but there's no word for homosexual in the ancient languages. No. So Paul, you know, his, his stuff is in Greek, 
the, the ancient Greeks don't have a word for homo. There's a word, it, it literally means soft men. So they think the translators just assume that means a homosexual. Although other translators, actually, more modern translators who have a better grasp of the evidence and the context, uh, actually, many of whom think that it actually means a male prostitute. Right. But under any circumstance, it's just like you have to concede that Paul's understanding of homosexuality has nothing to do with our understanding of it today. Right. And yet you are referring to Paul as a standard for today, which makes zero sense <laughs> whatsoever. And especially going back to the Leviticus, we all know Moses didn't write Leviticus, but let's just say he did. Let's just assume he did. Moses has no idea what a homosexual is. <laughs> he doesn't understand. I mean, the idea of gender identification like LGBTQ+, when's the first time you heard the term LGBTQ+, Gosh, not that long ago, actually, in the in the scope of my life, four or five years. In the last ten, I was gonna say within the last ten years, and I can't yeah, even pinpoint like when that. that was in the last ten years. Yeah. So, we have all these modern designations about you know sexuality and orientation and all that kind of stuff that did didn't previously exist, right? And yet, you get these people who are trying to say the Bible has something to say about it. But how could it? How could it? Yeah. <laughs> right. But then to be so <clears throat> legalistic about it in our current times, like this is how it is. These people, these people, these people. Again, you, yeah. you've just bastardized the very simple nature of the whole thing. It's like, why do you care <laughs> about this anyways? <laughs> like, I wish you would care more about health care. <laughs> someone's sexual identity on oh, Jesus, man. Like, I mean, Jesus literally says, as much as you've done unto others, you've done unto me. Exactly. So to your point, wouldn't Jesus be pro universal health care? Of course he would. As as we take care of each other, we're we're doing the same thing to Jesus. And when we deny someone health care, we've done it to Jesus. Yeah. You know what's I mean, interesting? You would be interested in it. In this book, too, they talk about it opens up, essentially. I mean, I'm not going to give you the whole thing, but it talks about this. I think it's a movie or a book called The Great Inquisitor. And it's it's essentially a book about um, Jesus comes back and let's say, like, a more of a current time. But <laughs> most of the religions, they want to jail Jesus. They don't even want him around because they're no. like, no, oh, this guy's too, like, this is not what we want. Like, yeah. He's actually trying to be nice and do the right. And we, you know what, well, we're trying to make money here. Like <laughs> it makes you think like. That sounds very Charles Dick, Dickinsonian, right. you know, right. very, it could be very yeah. Orwellian and all this stuff. And yeah. it's kind of like, but, but let's say Christ came back today. Would most religious institutions, especially Christians actually accept Jesus? No, no, no. no. there's no. no way, especially not the crazy fundamentalist. they because he would do everything the opposite of what's currently happening. He'd be like, yeah. oh, these is Jesus, this guy's gay. But like, oh, I love this guy. Bring him in here. I was like, a couple shots, man. <laughs> like, it's going, like, what? Um, <laughs> like, 
I use the example of Fred Rogers all the time, Mr. Rogers, yeah. because he's just such a beautiful example of what a Christ-like person, who, who that is, what that looks like. He cares about the children. He cares about um, bringing a positive message to children. Well, one of the performers on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, I'm, gosh, I'm totally blanking on his name now, but um, he, he's a marvelous singer, and he's African-American, yeah. and he's homosexual. Right. And uh, he, he came to Fred Rogers, and he said, I'm thinking about coming out. You know, what do you think? And, you know, Mr. Rogers basically told him, I love you. I support you in whatever you want to do. Just know that if you come out, the network's going to, you know, PBS, they're going to fire you. Yeah. So I had a really tough decision to make. Francois, oh, anyway, that's his name. Um, and uh, he chose to basically remain in the closet. Yeah. So that he can continue with the, the his job and his work. And... Um, you know, this is back in like the 70s or something, you know. So different time, different era. And you have somebody who, like like Fred Rogers, who's, who, like you said, he just said, you know, I love you. I know you're homosexual, uh, and I want you on my show. I want you part of a show that is for children. And I want your talent and everything but I support you and I love you and whatever you choose to do. Period. <laughs> Nothing could be more Jesus than that. I mean, that's the ultimate, right? I mean, it's not like I love you, I care about you, but I don't yeah. agree with you. Strike that part from the record. Like Exactly. That is not what G you want to say what would Jesus do? He wouldn't add that addendum to those things be like well you know i i don't agree with you but you know no. like, <laughs> he didn't say as i have loved you love one another except <laughs> <laughs> well you except know? for these guys you know it's yeah. like drag queen hour not so much but you know it's like <laughs> oh man somebody that. made the somebody <laughs> made the best point about that recently um some comedian somebody i can't remember who now but they said uh you know, these politicians who want to outlaw drag queens yeah. being able to publicly read in a library are perfectly fine with people br bringing a gun to the library. Right. Because these states that are trying to ban it are like open carry states like yeah. Tennessee. I find that mesmerizing. You know, not in a good way, obviously, but I'm just like, so you would rather that somebody can bring in a thing, an object that is purpose built to kill another human being than to have a man dressed as a woman read to your children. <laughs> it's crazy, right? I mean, that, that is, to me, that's bizarro world. Very bizarre. Like, there's no logic <laughs> to that. Just... Zero logic to it. No. I mean, bring me... I want to write a new poem for the Statue of Liberty. Bring me your drag queens and your <laughs> LGBTQ+. Plus That's and, right. Bring them all here. Know, Come on. Bring them all here. Yeah. Um, another thing I say in my podcast episode for this week is that I'm perfectly at ease and comfortable with the idea of a Christian minority. 
And frankly, I can't wait for it to happen. Mm. Unfortunately, um, it probably won't happen in the United States until at least around 2070. Uh, and I, you know, but it can't come soon enough for me. <laughs> Simon, I love it. Always on the edge. I love it, man. I, I, I'm just so sick of people utilizing their personal religious beliefs to wield power over others. Yeah. I'm just so sick of it. There's so much of that. It's, you know, here, a good example is, uh, these yahoos that, you know, they pop off and be like, well, the church should run the United States. I'm like, well, which church? I mean, like, yeah. which one? Like, what are you talking about? Do you even know the Constitution or the makeup of the people or the founding fathers, their religious, the ideolo ideological makeup? It's like, just stop. You know, it's like. It's, it's really funny. I actually bring this up just very briefly. Once again, in my, my little podcast episode th this week is that I quote a treaty to uh, a peace treaty that the United States signed with Tripoli that George Washington himself endorsed. And the quotation I, I, I use from it is that uh, in the peace treaty, it states specifically that the government of the United States is in no way founded upon the Christian religion. <laughs> right. As an exact quote, endorsed by the founding fathers. There, there's just no argument for Christianity to lead our nation. No. There's no argument for any religion to lead our <laughs> no. nation. And we don't want any religion to lead our nation. I don't want Christianity usurped by another religion. That would be just as bad. And I don't care which religion it is. Right. But the idea of any religion trying to wield power over the government is anti-everything the United States completely is supposed to be about. Completely. <sighs> but somehow this is a pervasive thing among, you know, you could call it the squeaky wheels or people on extreme things, but they, those are people that get a lot of traction uh, in, you know, the larger public square of the Internet. For that and i just i want people to think that's why i hope also people when they listen to these things like seriously think about this like think about how this act what that actually means <laughs> or yeah. I just don't think a lot of people think honestly uh, and they certainly don't understand a lot of the things they're looking at as well well they think that it just sounds good it's like well on this you know and and sometimes i mean if you're a christian on the surface it sounds good to have a christian government led with christian quote unquote christian values yeah now if you're talking about a christian value being love one another mm -hmm. take care of the poor i mean the things that jesus actually taught you know? <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know those things JC said, you know, yeah. basic stuff. <laughs> yeah, but just ignore that. <laughs> yeah. But if you're talking about the oppression of others because of what they believe being different from what you believe, then I mean, there's nothing Christian about that in yeah. the first place. But I mean, that's tyranny. That's uh, tyranny. Yes. Why? As a Christian, how could you ever support tyranny? As an American, how could you yeah. ever support tyranny? <laughs> it's just, I'm boggled by it. I... Me too, man. You know what? I dropped that uh, whole humanity to reveal divinity to my wife. Oh, yeah. I think it, it was very different for her to hear that. She was like, and she's not someone who usually gets like, oh, wow. Like, she, she, she's very good at 
jet ja- sparring. Very good at sparring. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to get her on this one. <laughs> I was like, because, <laughs> you know, we had a big discussion about that, right? Really? I thought it was actually pretty revelatory. When you think about it. I mean, I do consider myself a prophet. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, leave Condor Man aside. Yeah. <laughs> Leave that out of your whole portfolio of prophecy. <laughs> oh, man. I, wish, <laughs> but, I hope everybody I, can see the tears in my eyes. Crying from saying that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and I told her, I said, I think if you just went through the basic teachings of Jesus, the basic stuff, as take out the religious, ask just the basic teaching, it will reveal the divinity. And the majority of people, you will start elevating yourself and go, well, maybe there's more to this. I said, but we often just do the what we're doing to people today is we're beating the shit out of them the other way. We're yeah. just like, you're going to be part of this. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't like these people. It's like, why would you want to be a part of that? <laughs> like, I don't know why anybody wants to be a part of the can't do's. Yeah. You know, I mean. It, Jesus taught the Beatitudes. They weren't the can't do's. They were, this is what you should do. What you should do. You know, and, you, you know, I actually was kind of jokingly brought this up with uh, my parents the other day. My parents are very conservative capitalist people, yeah. and they're very good examples of what that should look like. Mm. They own their own business throughout their entire marriage together um they ran it honestly (coughs) it enabled them to be able to do a lot of great things for themselves and for their family and to be great providers and uh so all these things um but you know so i was jokingly bringing up that jesus is anti-capitalist and he hates money and he you know hates rich people and and I, but I was telling them, but I'm perfectly okay with that because you know I. <laughs> I mean, you are a prophet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, and and here I am. I'm I'm living. In, I, we're not rich by any stretch of the imagination. You know, uh, on any given month, we're totally house broke. But but we do have a big, beautiful house. We're in this beautiful neighborhood. We enjoy a lot of things. We're able to provide well for our our family and our our children. Um, and so I'm just like, I'm not anti-capitalist because I'm, I'm, uh, a recipient of all the fruits yeah. of, of that. Um, but there are other people who are not, and Jesus is a champion of them. And I think that's the big thing. There's, there's this, there's idea that, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Doggone it. When, when God will bless you to be successful mm. monetarily. Yeah. What, what is that called? I'm just totally blanking on the, the name of it. Uh, prosperity gospel. Oh, oh, the, oh, the actual, like the, yeah, the pros. You just yeah. believe it and you, you, you're like, oh yeah. man, it, it's going to be great. I think I'm going to make a lot of money. I will make a lot of money. Yes. God's going to give me favor. Yes. And, and God will help you become rich. Right because you're faithful and you give your tithing to the church and things like that. And God will bless you monetarily. And I'm just like, Jesus, 
he never promises that. <laughs> never once in his never. teachings does he never. say, if you do all these things, you'll become rich. No, he, he says, blessed are the poor. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But he doesn't talk about riches. No. He doesn't say they'll inherit the money. No. You know, uh, Jesus is quite pastoral. Yes. And he himself is jobless and homeless. People think I'm really flippant when I say things like Jesus was a bum. <laughs> and, and and people think that's a very disrespectful thing to say. And it's like, I mean, he's a he's a vagabond. He's I mean, he completely depends on the charity of others to feed, clothe, and yes. house him because he himself is not providing those things for himself. <laughs> So what would you call a person like that today? <laughs> it's kind of like an Indiana Jones. Remember when they're like, they're searching for the Holy Grail and the, 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 the Nazis, they're like, oh, Jesus would drink out of this big chalice, this beautiful, yes. wealthy this chalice. This is truly the cup of the King of Kings. This is the King of Kings. And meanwhile, yes. the beat up little cup is actually what Jesus would have drank. That's the I cup mean, of a carpenter. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Right. It's a great metaphor for that. In a sense, it's like, come on, this guy was not. He wasn't rolling around like I have the Rolls Royce of, uh, you know, Nazareth here. I mean, it's like, yeah, <laughs> he is supposed to be God's uh, only begotten son. And he's born into poverty and he dies in poverty. He dies in more poverty than he even started out with. And right. that's hard to do. That is hard to because do. the dude was from Nazareth. <laughs> exactly. And the question that is posed in the scripture is, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Because that <laughs> is what a hayseed yes. Jesus was. And he dies with nothing. He literally dies with nothing. He passes on nothing. He didn't even write anything. Yeah. He is completely dependent upon others to tell his story because he leaves no evidence that he ever existed. Yeah. He's a fascinating character. <laughs> Isn't that amazing, right? It's, it's fascinating. So fascinating. Because everybody is always leaving around, leaving uh, notes of their existence, especially in today's. Everybody's leaving. I mean, we're leaving evidence of our existence. Yeah. Constantly doing these podcasts and stuff. And, your your apparent prophecy that I just learned about it prophesy <laughs> on nature. <laughs> so so what was the what was the um uh uh what was the result of your conversation with your wife? I think she really thought about it, and she like it's kind of you know when you tell somebody something and their face crinkles up like and then they're like, oh, I never really thought they never thought about it that way. Yeah, and. uh I mean, she hears me talking about our conversations about this. And I think one time she goes, are you like on the edge about believing and stuff? I was like, no, I just, I don't like to like question a lot of things because I actually think that's part of being a believer for that. And, mm. and I just don't, I think sometimes when you've been in faith, like I have, and you have for a really long time, it's easy to mail it in, man. It's just so easy to mail it in yeah. and never think any differently. And I know so many people, I love them. They're wonderful people that operate that way. 
I just think, and I told her, I said, the greatest thing though, is that I feel closer to my faith today than I ever have because I've questioned it. Mm. And because I've read a lot of different resources, I have these great conversations with Simon. I feel very connected to our pastor because it's, it interests me. It, it makes it interesting. Like we talked about, come on, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I said, that I think is a very fulfilling way of, of having faith of asking questions and not just mailing it in. You know? Paul tells Christians to have an answer to their faith, mm -hmm. right? So I think you've nailed it. And, and I was actually conversing about this recently, and, and, and I was trying to define the problem. And I think I've defined it. You and I have talked about being curious people. Mm -hmm. I don't think most Christians are curious. I don't think that makes them unique. I'm not mm -hmm. saying, oh, Christians are different from other people because they're not curious. I'm saying most people are not inherently curious. Mm. And most of us are only curious about what we're curious about, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. take me, for example. I, 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 don't, I love my cell phone. You know, I love all the things it can do. I'm not curious really about how the inner workings of it. Okay. I just yeah. want it to do what it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think most people approach church in the same way. Mm. Mm. And their lack of curiosity makes it so that they are ignorant to what the scriptures are actually saying. I because agree. there's a difference between reading and studying. So... A lot of people read the scriptures and they find comfort in the simple messages that they've been taught that those scriptures are yeah. telling them. And then there's curious people like yourself and myself who are like, but what's it really saying? Yeah. Who really said it? Who really wrote it? Where, what is the custom that the, you know, the ancient customs and culture from which That's right. this is stemming from? That kind of curiosity is mostly missing from religion. Yes. And my argument to those who are only reading and not studying the scriptures, and when I say study, I mean approaching the scriptures as if you don't know what they say. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't really learn any subject if you think you already know the answer. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. So if you start reading the Old Testament through your Christian goggles, you have no idea what it's talking about. Yeah. Go converse with any rabbi, and they will <laughs> school you to death about what's really happening, the actual history. I mean, it's just... So I actually listen to a lot of rabbis, and I and I, yeah. or I'll or I'll read books written by Jewish rabbis and things like that, and and read their commentaries about different books of scripture, and not because I agree with everything they're saying either, right? Because anybody can be wrong, of course. <laughs> but that's study. Study means you are seeking out different view viewpoints, perspectives. You know, I have four or five different translations of the Bible in print that I always have just kind of lying around to reference. And then I go to Bible.org all the time. They, they, they must think 
you know, I'm addicted. <laughs> I, they must think I'm addicted to that site, like it's a porn, porn site, or something, you know. <laughs> because on Bible.org, uh, they'll have just tons of different translations up there that you can yeah. access for free. So I can look up and see what different translators at different times and different, you know, time periods have thought the scriptures were saying. Yeah, have translated it to be. That's study. But if you just read the King James, and like so many people, you say, well, I don't understand Isaiah. Yeah. Well, it's because you're not curious and you haven't studied. Right. <laughs> I, I, <clears throat> you just have to look deeper. You know, it, it just makes me think of like, in science, you know, I'm listening to a lot of stuff about the relationship between science and spirituality. There's a lot of synergy there. But, you know, a recent very big discovery by the James Webb Telescope is that there are very mature galaxies that have existed 13 billion years ago. And that should not exist, according to scientists, that these galaxies should never even closely be even real that long ago. Well, of course, you have no clue what you were talking about anyways. You're just guessing. Yeah. (laughs) Like that. Oh, this is what it should be like. You don't know, though. Like. And it's like, oh, it rewrites everything. I'm like, of course it does. You never knew anything. <laughs> You're literally just guessing that this was the time. Like the universe yeah. is laughing at you, man. <laughs> it's like my son Moses has been quoting Neil deGrasse Tyson lately in, in saying that the universe is under no obligation to make sense to you. That's right. <laughs> I love that quote. I mean, I think it's a brilliant thing to yeah. say, and I think it's applicable to any topic at hand human nature is under no obligation (laughs) uh human sexuality and sexual orientation is under no obligation it makes sense to you um and and if you want to just frame it in a purely religious context god's ways are higher than our ways the god's universe is under no obligation to make sense to you yeah. God's teachings are under no obligation to make sense to you. So if you start dumbing it down and saying that you know what it means, then you think you you know the mind of God when God has been very clear <laughs> yeah. in the scriptures that you're quoting from that his ways are higher than your ways, right. that you can't understand him. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so keep it so, you know, be nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> This is, I don't know, it's just like the cliff notes of Christianity or the Jesus cliff notes. Hey, man, love God, love other people, love your neighbor, all your neighbors, be a neighbor. That thing is not just about loving other, loving other people and they're your neighbors. You have to be a good neighbor too. How does it mean to be a good neighbor to other people, you know? And save your criticisms for your own religious system. (laughs) Right, right. Good that, one. Love that. Jesus doesn't criticize Muslims or Buddhists or yeah, I, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, they don't even exist in his world, but right. I'm saying he doesn't criticize anyone outside of his own religious system. He doesn't talk about the gods of Babylon or other, right. you know, such things. Jesus doesn't address these things. He doesn't talk about the Roman gods. He doesn't address Roman religion ever. He only criticizes Jewish people. It's true, man. (laughs) (laughs) And he's not anti-Semitic. 
Nope. He just cares about his own system. He cares about his own religion. Yeah. Christians today, if you want to be a follower of Christ, point the finger back at yourself and at your own church. Don't yeah. point it at anybody else's. Most definitely. And, and actually also remember that dude probably looked a lot more like me than he looks like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying he had a blonde streak back, but no, 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 no. that dude probably looked way more like me than he looked like any white person. In the earth. Like, Definitely did. Was, uh, <laughs> you know, mate. Ma <laughs> Seriously. Maybe, maybe he was a light skinned Arab brother. I'm you telling know, I mean, you. Yeah. That dude looked way more like me than any depiction that people have in any church. <laughs> I was like, he always looks Absolutely. like he's from in every church. He always looks like he's Alabama going to the Grammys in 1984. It's like, yeah. it's like, what? <laughs> like, you know, a lot of our depictions of, of artistic, because they didn't start out the way they did. Actually, right. it, it actually started out worse. <laughs> the, the first depictions we have of Jesus that have survived are a, a blonde haired, blue eyed Jesus, seriously, <laughs> with no beard. And he's doing all of his miracles with a magic wand. Not a joke. He's he's young. He looks like the god Apollo. Yeah. Um, but all that changes, and probably the closest uh, semblance that we get of like what Jesus is modeled on eventually is actually another figure uh, who, who who lived in um, uh, you know Greek and Rome and things like that. But Apollonius of yeah. Tiana. I don't know if you've heard of him, but yeah. he was a great philosopher of the time, traveled the world, and um, was known for being very good looking, but never cut his hair or beard. Mm. And he walked everywhere barefoot, and he wore uh, white linen clothes everywhere he went. He never wore animal skin or anything. In fact, he was a Pythagorean philosopher, so he was vegetarian and yeah. and all these kinds of things, so he never did any harm to uh, any animals or anything like that. So. Um, anyway, uh, probably our rendition of Jesus that we think of is, is, is more based on Apollonius than, yeah. than, than any Jewish. Come on, man. You know? It's more like Michael Franti or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barefoot Monday. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man. <laughs> but if you see, you say this to certain people, that's blasphemy. Yeah. Oh no! It's like, dude, come on, get with it. I'm like, <laughs> like seriously. You know, absolutely. You know, I mentioned to my kids that the average height of uh, of, of somebody uh, during Jesus's time was about five six. Yeah. So I I would have towered over Jesus, but we always think of Jesus as this tall, right? Lean, you know, uh, white guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he would have standing up to anybody today. He would have been a shrimpy yeah. little Arab. And there she goes. I see her. Oh, <clears throat> Shannon is, is sending. Yeah, she's giving me the watch signal because we well, have if a you show up on time, day. Simon. OK, I know. I know it's all my fault and it always will be my fault. <laughs> I'll accept that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend, always for the time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for watching Condor Man and not no, hating no, me. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> see ya.